and welcome into Full Screen Podcast. I'm your host, Kira Astor, and joining me today, as always, with her yarn and corkboard ready to figure out who the real Agent Argyle is, it's Raven Ebert. How are you, Raven? I'm good. I actually misspoke when I communicated what my corkboard was for. It's about figuring out when I can see Nightbit. Um, yes. I'm very hyped for Nightbit. Working Tell on my Nightbit. Um, <laughs> when it was first announced, all the 30 Rocks joke came out. Like, all the 30 Rock jokes were about Jackson. It's called Nightbitch Lemon. Um, it stars my former favorite white woman, Amy Adams. And honestly, I don't care about the plot. It's called Night Bitch. It has Amy Adams. I will watch it. Will I be sober for it? Probably not. Do I need to be sober for it? Probably not. It's... Yeah. How hard do we think she's going to go with the method acting of becoming a dog? Um, like, I don't we... think she's she's a method actor. I don't think she belongs to the Jared Leto school of method acting. Okay. So Fair. She's, Fair. she's, she's going to be like talking more about how women are trained to be polite and accommodating and accepting because of gender roles that are inherent within a patriarchal society and night bitch is a metaphor for women letting out their female rage dude if it turns so, into some kind of deep metaphor i'm i'll be seated I'm it's going to be a metaphor about female rage it's this is sharp objects part two even sharper <laughs> Let's let's go, baby. So <laughs> I will say one day, one day our girl, Amy Adams, will get a new agent and she'll be nominated for awards one day again. One day. Yeah, we're clearing out the roster, right? Like Kate Winslet got hers. Jessica Chastain got hers. I'm yes. sensing that uh, if Amy Adams plays her cards right, she could. Otherwise, my bets are for the next underappreciated white woman would be Kirsten Dunst, who's been putting in a lot of work consistently. Absolute superstar. As not done problematic things. Um, Let's not jinx it. Her and her hubby, great couple. Jesse. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for Kirsten Dunst. I, I think that, yeah, they could be like the quiet, underrated, sort of really good, solid performers coming in with the award show medal and leaving without saying dumb shit. Before getting into today's topic, shall we recap uh, our social media so folks can reach out to us? Yes, yeah, send us your Architectural Digest home tour so that we can uh, find out your exact location and live in your walls. You can find us in Twitter and on Instagram at fullscreen underscore pod. We are also on YouTube at fullscreen podcast. We're also on all of the places that you creep on for your podcasting needs so that you don't have to listen to your own inner monologue and can instead have us in find us there rate us five stars give us a comment um like and subscribe on youtube bump us on the algorithm you know develop a crippling parasocial relationship with us we love it we want it we encourage it like dakota johnson and limes i may not be able to tolerate you but i'll have you in my house like dakota johnson on the promo trail for madam webb 
You know? She also can't tolerate that. That is the greatest acting of all. What a tour de force. Her performance of saying, I want it to be in a Marvel movie. That's method acting, baby. Both Sydney Sweeney and Dakota Johnson tagging Marvel uh, in their Instagram post when the casting was announced. And then, JK, it's not Marvel. Nice try. That's funny. But we are on the subject of girl bosses today, aren't we? So we're kicking off another new series. We know there was a lot going on today in this post-peak TV era of streaming and tech. There's generative AI with dire consequences on the horizon, password crackdowns sweeping the industry, investment into scalable ad insertion and delivery technologies as the space grows more urgent and more profitable. M&A, baby! Mergers and acquisitions are looming really large, people vying for movie studios and sports content, signaling that there's a sharp focus on the bottom lines and profits. So this is the right time, Raven, to kick off Corporate Corner! We're so excited to take a closer look at the entertainment and tech execs forming these strategies and launching these initiatives, and who better? To kick off this series, then our one and only girl boss, our queen, selling the world gourmet cheeseburgers in the form of Tiger King and Indian matchmaking. Showing up to the award season in a sari and a langa and a bindi, the badass business babe, Bella Bajaria. Bela, the chief content officer at Netflix. Gaslight, gatekeep, gourmet cheeseburger. Let's go. Ignore that doorknob made of solid gold. It may or may not lead to a money bin for all the C's to take a load off, you know? You know? Like, in Bob Iger's case, <laughs> In Bob Iger's case, there's a solid gold doorknob leading to, like, this, like, amazing two-floor private bathroom and vanity, so... With the know? head of Walt Disney, the frozen head of Walt Disney it's in there as well. <laughs> Not even a joke. So we all have our quirks and, you know, C's gotta live it up. <laughs> so let's talk about Bella today. So background, very international, born to Indian parents uh, who immigrated from East Africa to London and then to US. So she grew up on the West Coast, pretty much. She sounds like she's very proud of saying that she sounds like a valley girl and she lost her like London, British, African accent very fast. A film and TV nerd, uh, we definitely approve of this. Also hot take Raven, that's actually not so hot. Do immigrants make the best entertainment? Think about it. The refuge provided by stories as they fit into this new culture, this new paradigm shift in their lives, sort of becomes like part of the core DNA. You yeah, know, we talked about I... in Lord of the Rings. I think, again, like, it's not just the immigrant experience. I think if you are a cultural minority wherever you grow up and you're looking for escapism from your surroundings, I think you do tend to have a very rich inner life that you translate a creative outlet. But then again, I feel like this narrative feeds into a very 
um, toxic outlook of that every artist must feel great pain and I don't think that that's necessary Correct. get your Correct. help don't uh, say that we you know let's bring back segregation for great art like no fuck that fuck that <laughs> noise please a hundred percent equality yeah. and mental health mental wellness for all so she started at CBS, uh, read all the, as an assistant, read all the scripts, watched the old films in the basement during her downtime. You know, girl got that prof dev on company time, company dime, you know, I support it. I, in the CBS basement, just watching like old reels, like film there, reels. She had access that, to That actually libraries. sounds kind of romantic to me, but I am very fucked up as a person and the idea of being in a dimly lit basement with like reels and reels of ancient film tape sounds just incredible like a really blissful way to spend the weekend that's a perfect setting for a meet cute you know i wonder if that's where she met her husband a um did a short stint at warner brothers and then came back to cbs working her way through movies miniseries department and then to develop cable tv series she moved to Universal TV as a president after that and is best known for developing an overall deal with Dan Gore and Mike Schur for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's very famous for actually doing so. And then also creatively developing Kimmy Schmidt, which went to Netflix, but she was allowed to, to assist in the development or lead the development. Uh, Mindy Project, she's key in that. She's actually really good friends with Mindy Killing, Bates Motel, Chicago Fire. So she's very key in like different parts of the TV business. And already we can see she's like tapping into different sorts of audience for uh, these audio um, for these shows. So she joins Netflix in 2016 as head of unscripted and scripted content. But I will say in the beginning, she focused a lot more on unscripted and now serves as the head of global TV and known for local language programming across the world. Now, let's talk about the Netflix transition. So here's where things get interesting. Cindy Holland, her predecessor, sort of built Netflix's rep reputation as the prestige appointment TV place, right? Narcos, House of Cards, sense Stranger Things, Daredevil, Luke Cage, or, you know, and related TV shows. However, as the world evolved, our boy, perpetually scared of defrauding investors and going to jail, the one and only Ted Sarandos. Jail Ted Sarandos. I don't know what for. Jail him first, we'll figure it out later. Reed Hastings is safe, you know. Quote, went with one who went with the one who he felt best embodied Netflix's breadth of programming and increasingly global focus, end quote. And Cindy Holland was then ousted and Bela took her place. This is all from a fascinating profile, which both Raven and I love. It's by Rachel Sim for The New Yorker. It's titled, How Much Netflix Can the World Absorb? And it's all about, it's sort of like a day, a week in the life of, of Bella Bajaria. And so many choice quotes, uh, but I'm gonna say another one here, quote, Bella Bajaria, who oversees the streaming giant's hyper-aggressive approach to TV making, says success is about recognizing that people like having more, end quote. 
or as I call it, the Emerald Fennell approach to filmmaking. Like, God. fuck subtlety, we're in it for vampire sex and drain boy dinner. Or this is really like the that skating movie that Will Ferrell did with John Heater. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means. It's supposed to be provocative. It gets the people going. Fall so hard, <laughs> motherfuckers want to find me. It's literally that same thinking of where we just want people to have their attention on us and we've got it now and we're going to do anything to keep it, but we don't figure how we got it. Cindy Holland is the person that made Netflix TV a prestigious thing. It is what made other streaming services sit up and take notice, you know, the Disney Pluses, the Paramount Pluses, the uh, other, you know, studio-backed content in Peacock with Universal. All of that came from Cindy Holland making streaming particularly lucrative for television. That was the format that people began, like, taking in the deluge of content with binge watching, you know? Bella just dropped the ball after that. She took that mandal and was like, well, now that we have competition with all of these other streaming services, we're not elevating what we're putting out there. We're actually going to dilute it. And that's my my big, um, you know, beef with her. I know she's probably yeah. vegetarian, but I still got beef. Uh-oh. And I think, again, she's, and you'll keep going into this point as you're profiling her. The level of highlighting that everybody does where Bela is called everything from just not an intellectual to not intellectually focused to just like, you know, she's just like, there's no money in being smart. That's why it doesn't pay to be intellectual. Let, let, let me finish. Um, yeah. Shots already fired, you know. <laughs> let me quickly go through some uh, other stats. So in sum, whatever Netflix is now, the new Netflix, whether you like it or not, you know, in Raven's case, she hates it, is built by Bella Bajaria and has her handprints all over it. I want to quickly go through the latest figures for Netflix. So subscriber growth for, for Netflix as of Q3 2023, and this comes after ad tier launch, this comes after the uh, password crackdown, the hyper aggressive focus on growth and lots of cancellations. So subscriber growth actually rose by 9 million in Q3. 30% of the signups in Q3 were to the new ad plans. It's, I think, $6.99 or $7.99 in the US. And now the subscriber count of Netflix is uh, totals around $250 million worldwide, $25 billion in revenue in the first three quarters of 2023. And Bella's salary, you ask? North of $16 million, baby. Let's, uh, little things that also stood out to me. So why is she more and more iconic these days? I wanted to go through some fun facts, miscellaneous. So I find, I would say number one, she's like immediately, like she's an attractive gal, you know? She's like dresses really well, pantsuits or Indian outfits, described as peppy and youthful, has really gorgeous hair and almost reminiscent of like how Natalie Portman is now, like very like tight buns, gorgeous, like, you know, subtle makeup. Yeah, she uh, she really pulls off the whole like fragile little ballerina look, and I think again, just being a woman will make you stand out in any of these 
press junkets with the executives because they're all like in the roughly the too, same yeah. composite of like the same middle-aged white dad from the suburbs that uh, like Ted Sarandos and Reed Hastings are kind of like basically the same version <laughs> like the few versions of the same person from like different universes so she stands out <laughs> they look way. like they look like they just got out of bed and she looks incredibly polished at all times um so another thing she's known for private jet usage putting taylor to shame girl yeah. on one apparently Pollute that planet let's go baby <laughs> apparently continent to continent every three or four days miss india america in 1991 so you know goes with her like sort of like alluring attractive personality yeah she... but i bet she wasn't asked the question about what would you do to save the planet <laughs> No, I'm telling you, baby, if the sea levels rise, the first thing people will do is cut their Netflix subscription. So maybe, maybe don't maybe do that. Um, she's known for, you know, her diverse background and also like getting diversity into Netflix. The focus with Bridgerton, Squid Game, La Casa de Papel, which is Money Heist, and then, you know, champion of Indian matchmaking, etc. Which, you know, uh, I can see the rage building in Raven's eyes. So I'll just move on. I will say any, so last thing I want to cover is any tech learnings that she has employed to make Netflix relevant. I will say the only thing that stood out to me was that she runs retros, very extensive retros, and which she calls learning meetings. Uh, when shows do not perform well or shows are canceled, she goes into like in-depth retros with her team. Other oh yeah, that, I, I think I saw that on that episode of Barry where the streaming service canceled her show. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good episode. <laughs> No, other than that, I think her signature style is very like TV, sort of traditional execs trying to fit in into this new tech world. She's very, I would say, hyper aggressive in terms of style over substance. So many cancellations and non-renewals are happening, allows them to move fast, but also sever relationships with creators so rapidly i would say like 1899 i remember while not my cup of tea last year 2022 it was very trendy people were into it and immediately like it was canceled i'm I, I'm, I'm spiraling into a, a deep hole of trauma with this um as she keeps her eyes on the prize uh scalability and replication so this is the product enablement piece for people in tech different language packs in the code and program programming different locales but same formula, same approach. So she's doing product enablement, basically. Sports, she did it. So WWE, Raw, now on Netflix exclusively. So good for them, they got some sports. They got a live award show, so SAG Awards <laughs> will now be- <laughs> Baby, WWE is in sports. It's more drama. <laughs> she just bought a new drama series. <laughs> <laughs> the the real housewives of Beverly Hills is more sports than WWE. Um I will say she also led the SAG Awards. Um now Netflix also has SAG Award rights and SAG Awards will be airing on Netflix starting 2024. Last thing I will say with the news of Scott Stuber, the chairman of Netflix Films or the former chairman of Netflix Films as of a week ago being out this is key in signaling that Bella's strategy is taking over Netflix C-suites. Like, the, her vision is coming to fruition. 
Scott Stuber, just to mention, he has been a champion of putting Netflix films like Glass Onion to theatrical releases and have longer theatrical windows. And it's signaling something that he's now ousted and there's a focus shifting away from the theatrical film strategy at Netflix. Bella knows how to play. That's where I'll leave it. self-evaluation of our performances because we're heading into the downstream impact you know where you're not supposed to drink downstream because you don't know what's happening upstream but here is where we're going to do a little bit of um, fortune telling a little bit of you know c-suite terror reading you know, reading the tea leaves of the future of streaming as they are shaped by the executives, because ultimately um, the C-suite and the C-word is chief here, guys. We're, we're keeping it professional. Um, their, their decisions are ultimately what shapes the strategy that the company takes, uh, which may or may not be guided by raw data, but ultimately it is them utilizing their professional experiences to be able to navigate. But the interesting thing here is that we're in a landscape that doesn't have a lot of precedence. And I am constantly confounded by Bela having such a presence here because her ties with CBS to me reads very poorly for streaming. CBS, in my opinion, has made content that was defined in its uniqueness by being totally bland. The fact that it lacked uniqueness made it unique. You Coming know, in the, hot. go off, Queen. The NBC brand of comedy with, like, you know, that golden age of The Office and 30 Rock and Parks and Rec, where they all had different comedy styles but ultimately were like sharp well written and often character studies and um have their own uniqueness about it you know i take the example of 30 rock and parks and rec led by tina fey and amy poehler to be completely opposite where 30 rock was embittered and corporate and showed the futility of not being able to make any changes in the system of television programming, where the same thing was also looked at in the much more real, much more present problems of being able to not make any changes in the system in local government, but it was seen through with like optimism and hope. And that was the NBC comedy brand. CBS yeah, comedies I? are just boiled water. <laughs> I just looked up in 2015 what were the famous shows of CBS because I couldn't remember anything. Well, there so you the go. Shows... That's enough. That's enough to say that. Like, you're obsessed with pop culture. You're obsessed with media. And I asked you what was on 2015 in CBS and you were like, let me fucking Google that. Yeah. Bitch, you know the roster of independent studios releasing like things at Sundance, but one of the biggest network televisions in America and you're like, I don't, I don't know her. Let me look it up. <laughs> there's NCIS. There's CSI crime scene. Which, I'm sorry, which NCIS? Which CSI? 
Bella is making Chicago fire. How many other cities have fire stations that she's like, I'm going to make a franchise out of you fuckers. That has been her career. And that the fact that she's bringing that to Netflix at this time, again, I find that particularly interesting because of the shift in dynamics in the industry. The pandemic came, Netflix made out like a bandit because they have always been in streaming. And they understand that to be their strength, right? They're removing the need for movies. They're focusing more on television, which is why I believe Bella's gaining power. Um, I think I talked about that more as well in our Emmys episode where we were reviewing where the direction of streaming was going to with what we were seeing in the nominees lowbrow comedies were my prediction in the emmys because netflix did well in the comedy section netflix did perform very well overall with nominations in the emmys and she's coming here to like scrub that prestige sheen off of netflix and you know me and you know when you sent that new yorker article about where people at Netflix were fucking skipping the credit sequence to BoJack Horseman, to the Netflix executives not knowing who Princess Carolyn was. You knew this was going to be the start of my villain yeah. arc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew I was just going to like rage out like a werewolf in the basement because you sent that to me. And I, I fully feel the disrespect. First of all, the credit sequence in BoJack Horseman are part of the storytelling process. They... I will say so. I think that signals that she, like, that signals that there is a shift in thinking at Netflix of, like, breadth and not depth. So they're thinking, how much more can we get and can we absorb? That's literally the title of the New Yorker program. Yeah, I mean... But they won't know the details of it. And this is like, imagine doing a presentation to our leaders and describing a product you know zero about. You know, like... Mm, if I got a private jet that I was polluting the planet with by hopping from continent to continent and just going to Antarctica because I'm sure that the scientists there also need to watch Indian matchmaking before they die. Uh, I think I would also have the confidence to sell this. But I think, of course, I the biggest reason is that the dynamics are kind of going back to where they were in streaming because these new streaming services that are... Uh, budgeted and funded by movie studios are starting to now focus back on theatrical releases now that it's okay to go back to the theaters and watch movies again. Uh, More tentpole things are coming out. You know, I think (laughs) Warner Brothers Discovery is literally taking the budgetary reasons for promoting Dune 2 and making sure it makes its money back in March, typically not the season for like big releases. And how are they doing that? They're putting a bunch of content on Netflix. They realize that they don't have the same reach. I think people signed up for HBO Max when it was HBO Max. They were getting to see like the movie that was coming out in the theater on the streaming service in the first 30 days. All of the things that they signed up for those types of streaming services for are gone now. 
And so people are just coming back to Netflix because they're like, oh shit, it's just going to be a matter of time before David Zaslav realizes that he has to fund Space Jam 3 and is going to sell The Sopranos to Netflix so I can just watch it there where I'll get better streaming quality, better playback control, better, uh, you know, closed captioning and subtitling and everything that comes with like having the tech stack of Netflix making it better. So... Uh, Netflix doesn't have suits. to worry about the making suits bump, its own. Basically. Exactly. They don't have to worry about making their own peak television again. It's going to be back to like the days of 2009-10 where it was just hosting great content that people were just watching over and over again. And Bella is smart. She's going to use the extensive data collection to understand what people gravitate to. Just like the decision making about like House of Cards, where they were like, people love political thrillers, people love David Fincher. They literally put it together through data points. You know, yeah. somebody is there on like an amplitude chart doing segmentation <laughs> and saying, this is what people like. Let us give them something that contains all these major bullet points from the data that we have collected. And that's what I think. Again, we've emphasized the predictions on focusing on television because it not only is cheaper to make, it provides better ROI, right? Like you make one season of television that is several hours of content that people can uh, go over, obsess over, get excited about. And this is the type of stuff that Bela is going to be following in data for saying, are we giving a season two? Because that's not that's not coming in. That's not um, guaranteed anymore. Like you said, she is very very focused on being numbers driven, and I think that's the quote unquote tech aspect of her for sure. Um, I do appreciate that she came out immediately and was like, Vince McMahon is not going to be involved in WWE. And as somebody who has dabbled with getting into wrestling and um, enjoying the soap operatic drama of it all with like a clear villain like i love wrestling heels they're so they're fun to hate it's the same reason i love like villain edits on rupaul's drag race it's the same energy and i don't think that ww is going to be hurt with like a feminine touch in you know making sure people of course don't get sold into like sex slavery but also that basic things such as health care and mental health is covered with your employment at the wwe so i'm good with that but again i think that bela's rise to me signals more television more content less prestige but it also means that Netflix is going to be the hub of a lot of other content being put on there. Um, you know, there's obviously the free platforms like Tubi and Pluto TV that also cycle through a lot of content for free. So I think that if you're looking to stay on a budget, Bela is the type of executive that will make sure you get the most bang for your buck with your Netflix subscription. And she will say, keep that, watch Pluto TV, watch Sling, watch 2B. Those are all free. So you don't get like fun things like being able to skip stuff or like skip the, you know, scrub the timeline and go somewhere. Their tech stack is not that great, but you can come to us and get, you know, all of this content from (laughs) content from, I think, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is going to permeate more and more on there. I think Disney is staying strong, 
Um, Sony, of course, is going to continue putting things on Netflix as well. So Bela has all of this money. And instead of making like two great television programs, she's going to make 30 semi-okay programs. And I, I'm just going to go watch Killers of the Flower Moon again and cry. Yeah. Marty, so. this new guy, Marty, who's on Letterboxd a lot. You heard of him? TikTok he's, star? He's going places. He's Francesca so. Scorsese's father, right? Yeah. I, I for believe him. so. He's I mean, I don't father. think it's cool to like ride your daughter's coattails, but he's he seems Frank, all right. Frankly indecent. But what you just said reminded me of this quote. So I'm going to I'm going to say it. So, quote, I asked Bajaria about her own favorite shows but she was non-committal. She says, I mean, I'm a fan of TV. I work in TV. I watch everybody's things, she said, adding, people have different tastes and I have no disdain for whatever those things are. What is quality? What is good versus not? That's all subjective. I just want to super serve the audience, end quote. If this so, isn't her personality, what is? This is... This reminds me of so many things, again, where the candidate for vice presidency in 2008, Sarah Palin, was asked, which newspaper do you read? And she said, all of them. So <laughs> I... So none of them. Exactly. And this is the same level of trust where someone is just like, I like all food. Um... If I meet somebody who can't do like a, their tiered rankings of like fast food joints, for example, I don't trust them as a human being. I think they're a bad person, fundamentally, if they can't tell me why they prefer Taco Bell. I think they're wrong. I think they're misguided. But if you have conviction and be able to tell me from your heart why you prefer Taco Bell over other edible options, I can respect you as a person. You're fucking wrong. But I respect that you have a stand. I, it's so interesting. She is such a, I mean, she's been labeled as not an intellectual and yet has like, you know what's funny? They were like, don't say my name. So an anonymous source said she's not an intellectual, but she's bold and smart. And I think it, this was, this is exactly it. She's, yeah. it's, uh, she seems to be very charming. Ted Sarandos was really impressed with her because when they were in India uh, at staying at a five-star hotel, she said, I don't want to eat food here. I want to go to a hole in the wall. And Ted was like, that's my gal. She's brave. And I'm like, Ted, is that what it takes? A hole in the wall? I want to see where she went. It wasn't a Dhaba. It was definitely some like five-star restaurant with just like less fancy decor. It's probably that. I will yeah. say so. I think this signal, we talk about identity. We talk about having a perspective. It's very important to have a perspective and identity, even as you expand. And I think that all is lost. And I mean, they keep saying that they want to be cable. They want to be everything. You know, they want to be Coldplay. And where is Coldplay now, I ask you? Where is Coldplay now? I mean, also, Coldplay started off as knockoff Radiohead, so 
we you don't you don't even get to say that you are Coldplay. And I understand but Raven, that they had an identity. They were knockoff Radiohead. So yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. She she's not even the, at that level. And I understand that this is curated. Like this is not. We don't know her as a person, and neither does a New Yorker. I get that. This is an image that she is trying to project and has been projecting successfully. And I'm saying that that curation of your image is what I'm not a fan of. It doesn't bode well for me. Yeah. You know, I something that you just said is so important is like for all we, that image is so curated because we just mentioned Ted Sarandos and Reed always look look like they just got out of bed and she looks polished so she knows the image she's projecting. For all we know, she could be like a nice Indian auntie at the end of the night just watching Kyuki Sasvi Kabi Bahuti or Kum Kum, you know what I mean? Those all bode really badly for me. I do not want Ekta Kapoor schlock, but I, again, I understand that she may have to look nice because there's double standards. Women cannot show up to the workplace in yeah. pajamas. I get Correct. that. That's fucking unfair. I'm not concerned about the visual image as much as I am about what she's putting. This... No matter how polished she looks, no matter how great and tailored her pantsuits are, the fact that she couldn't identify what her personal favorite type of television was tells me all I need to know about her. And yeah, she could have said one thing. You know what I mean? I think the thing that stood out to me, I don't know if I already mentioned this, um, work ethic. Girl works hard. I don't know if she's sleeping, but she's flying a lot and she's taking calls a lot and she's sitting with creators. What she really likes to do, her style is very much like, I want to be in the room with creators, knowing their pitches and stories. And another thing is funny, Mike Schur was pitching her, um, forgetting the book, but he was pitching her a show about a book and she was like, I have not read it and I will not read it, but if you're passionate about it, I will support you. I love that's that. This is great so... energy. I know that's, that's fitting really into good. her personality. Yeah. Um, all right. For what's next, I'll say like she's being groomed to be CEO, isn't she? Like after Ted, it's her. Yeah, she's had success, and if Netflix continues down its, uh, I would say it's like television-focused path, she makes complete sense, and I am looking forward to keeping on watching movies in the cinema is what i will say do you think do you think she'll pivot because short term she's had great success with all these like aggressive approaches um but if she, she will pivot lose she audience, will be forced to pivot once the box office returns at cinemas start coming back to like i'm just gonna say at like 2017 2016 levels pre-pandemic yeah. maybe not like 2010 11 but let's just say like 2017 levels if it starts coming back to that they're gonna pivot you know they, they'll be forced to pivot they have to and they'll they're reading the tea leaves just as much as we are so they're probably already putting like a pivot contingency plan but yeah i'd be yeah. oh I just I'd love to know what's what's next um, in terms of like Netflix because they are still the top dog. They lost yeah. they lost us a little bit obviously in 2020 2021 they lost subscribers people didn't know why Netflix existed as other services rose and they've really market corrected a little bit but you know Raven you and I think it's a short term boost. Yeah. That was gonna I'm going to say it was gonna happen anyway. 
Raven, you and I were talking off mic. It was gonna happen anyway. It was gonna happen anyway. Yeah. Add tier or password crackdowns are just like maybe a little bit boost to it, but this sort of. I'm just saying with with Max putting out Barbie so late on the streaming service, same thing with Oppenheimer on Peacock. They know now where it's like, okay, there's money to be made at the theaters. So they're stopping the streaming first approach and Netflix can come pick up pick up that slack. So yeah. Yeah. Joanna Vicente, who is the CEO of Sundance Festival, was informed about Scott Stuber's firing in the middle of an interview and she like was like, wait, what? Could not speak for a second because it's like it like shocked the industry. We'll see a lot more changes. There's, you know, we mentioned generative AI, there's mergers and acquisitions. Could we see a world where it's net, net HBO Paramount sort of all combined? Toyota, Pepsi, Sky, Skynet, Halliburton, Trader Joe's. Where did I get that joke from, Bella? Where did I get that joke from? Um, Who wrote that joke? What joke was that from? And it doesn't interest me finding out, but if you like this joke, I will support you. Oh my god. For next time, Raven, should we do another corporate corner? Because I'm interested in covering Jason Killar. I know we will, because you you love to psychoanalyze CEOs, and I'm your enabler, so that is exactly <laughs> what we will do. But I um, was thinking about how you were talking to me again off mic about who Netflix's biggest competitor is, um, and that potentially could be YouTube, and we had promised <gasps> to look into YouTube originals. So I oh, think let's do that. Let's that's do the that. thread we should pick up after a good, good jam sesh on Netflix strategies. It'll be fun to go oh, back. Oh, we forgot in. to mention at the top of the episode too the TikTok UMG dispute going on right now is going to lead to check out our TikTok Reels YouTube Shorts episode, guys. We go deep in into the strategy at play in these companies. But what's happening right now is Universal Music Group. Literally all the artists uh, are basically part of UMG uh, and they have pulled all of their catalog from TikTok because TikTok refused to pay, saying, quote, popularity was more important. In some ways, maybe for smaller artists, yes, but like pay them, good God. And so this actually looking from a business and product perspective, do you think Instagram Reels teams and Instagram music teams and YouTube shorts, YouTube originals teams, um, YouTube teams in general are just like freaking out. Like, guys, this is our moment. Let's get into this with our YouTube originals because I feel like we can get a great understanding of what didn't work with their originals and why they pivoted and how it's been working out for them because it's been working out great. Yeah. That's all for today. See you next time, full screeners. Bye. Bye, everyone.